Hello, folks, and welcome back to Bible in a Year. Today is day 336, sorry, 335. We're starting off with Maccabees chapters 9 through 10. About that time as it happened, Antiochus had retreated in disorder from the region of Persia, for he had entered the city called Persepolis, and attempted to rob the temples and control the city. Therefore the people rushed to the rescue with arms, and Antiochus and his men were defeated, and the result that Antiochus was put to flight by the inhabitants and beat a shameful retreat. While he was in Ecbatana, news came to him of what had happened to Nicanor and the forces of Timothy. Transported with rage, he conceived the idea of turning upon the Jews the injury done by those who had put him to flight, so he ordered his charioteer to drive without stopping until he completed the journey, but the judgment of heaven rode with him, for in his arrogance he said, When I get there I will make Jerusalem a cemetery of Jews. But the all-seeing Lord, the God of Israel, struck him an incurable and unseen blow. As soon as he ceased speaking, he was seized with a pain in his bowels, for which there was no relief, and with sharp internal mm -hmm. tortures, and that very justly, for he had tortured the bowels of others with many strange, with many and strange inflictions. Yet he did not in any... <coughs> He did not in any way stop his insolence, but was even more filled with arrogance, breathing fire in his rage against the Jews, and giving orders to hasten the journey. And so it came about that he fell out of his chariot as it was rushing along, and the fall was so hard as to torture every limb of his body. Thus he who had, been who had just been thinking that he would command the waves of the sea in his superhuman arrogance, and imagining that he could weigh the high mountains as a balance, was brought down to earth and carried in a litter, making the power of God manifest to all. And so the ungodly man's body swarmed with worms, and while he was still living in anguish and pain, his flesh rotted away, and because of his stench the whole army felt revulsion at his decay." Because of his intolerable stench, no one was able to carry the man who a little while before had thought that he could touch the stars of heaven. When it was that, broken in spirit, he began to lose much of his arrogance, and to come to his senses under the scourge of God, for he was tortured with pain every moment. And when he could not endure his own stench, he uttered these words, It is right to be subject to God, and no mortal should think that he is equal to God. Then the abominable fellow made a vow to the Lord, who, could no, who would no longer have mercy on him, stating that the holy city, which he was hastening to level to the ground and to make a cemetery, he was now declaring to be free. And the Jews, whom he had not considered worth burying, but had planned to throw out with their children to the beasts for the birds to pick, he would make, all of them, equal to citizens of Athens. And the holy sanctuary, which he had formerly plundered, he would adorn with the finest offerings, and the holy vessels he would give back, all of them, many times over, and the expenses incurred for the sacrifices he would provide from his own revenues. And in addition to all this, he also would become a Jew, and would visit every inhabited place to proclaim the power of God. But when his sufferings did not in any way abate, for the judgment of God had justly come upon him, he gave up all hope for himself, and wrote to the Jews the following letter, in the form of a supplication. This was his content. To his worthy Jewish citizens, Antiochus their king and general sends hearty greetings and good wishes for their health and prosperity. If you and your children, <coughs> if you and your children are well and your affairs are as you wish, I am glad, as my hope is in heaven, I remember with affection your esteem and good will. On my way back from the region of Persia, I suffered an annoying illness, and I have deemed it necessary to take thought for the general security of all. I do not despair of my condition, for I have good hope of recovering from my illness, 
but I observed that my father, on the occasions when he made expeditions into the upper country, appointed his successor, so that, if anything unexpected happened or any unwelcome news came, the people throughout the realm would not be troubled, for they would know to whom the government was left. Moreover, I understand how the princes along the borders and the neighbors to my kingdom keep watching for opportunities and waiting to see what will happen, so I have appointed my son Antiochus to be king, whom I have often entrusted and commended to most of you when I hastened off to the upper provinces, and I have written to him what is written here. I therefore urge and beseech you to remember the public and private services rendered to you, and to maintain your present good will, each of you, toward me and my son, for I am sure that he will follow my policy, and will treat you with moderation and kindness. So the murderer and blasphemer, having endured the more intense suffering, such as he has inflicted on others, came to the end of his life by a most pitiable fate, among the mountains in a strange land, and Philip, one of his courtiers, took his body home. Then, fearing the son of Antiochus, he betook himself to Ptolemy Philometor in Egypt. Now Maccabeus and his followers, the Lord leading them on, recovered the temple in the city, and they tore down the altars which had been built in the public square by the foreigners, and also destroyed the sacred precincts. They purified the sanctuary, and made another altar of sacrifice. Then, striking fire out of flint, they offered sacrifices, after a lapse of two years, and they burned incense and lighted lamps, and set up the bread of the presence. And when they had done this, they fell prostrate, and besought the Lord that, he might never again fall, that they might never again fall into such misfortunes, but that, if they should ever sin, they might be disciplined by him with forbearance, and not be handed over to blasphemous and barbarous nations. It happened that on the same day on which the sanctuary had been profaned by the foreigners, the purification of the sanctuary took place, that is, on the twenty-fifth day of the same month, which was Chislev. And they celebrated it for eight days with rejoicing, in the manner of the Feast of Booths, remembering how not long before, during the Feast of Booths, they had been wandering in the mountains and caves like wild animals. Therefore, bearing ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches and also fronds of palm, they offered hymns of thanksgiving to him who had given success to the purifying of his own holy place. They decreed by public ordinances and vote that the whole nation of the Jews should observe these days every year. Such, then, was the end of Antiochus, who was called Epiphanes. Now we will tell what took place under Antiochus Eupator, who was the son of that ungodly man, and will give a brief summary of the principal calamities of the wars. This man, when he succeeded to the kingdom, appointed one Lysias to have charge of the government, and to be chief governor of Cilicia and Phoenicia. Ptolemy, who was called Macron, took the lead in showing justice to the Jews because of the wrong that had been done to them, and attempted to maintain peaceful relations with them. As a result, he was accused before Eupator by the king's friends. He heard himself called a traitor at every turn, because he had abandoned Cyprus, which Philometor had entrusted to him, and had gone over to Antiochus Epiphanes. Unable to command the respect due his office, he took poison and ended his life. When Gorgias became governor of the region, he maintained a force of mercenaries, and at every turn kept on warring against the Jews. Besides this, the Idumeans, who had control of important strongholds, were harassing the Jews. They received those who were banished from Jerusalem and endeavored to keep up the war. But Maccabeus and his men, after making solemn supplication and beseeching God to fight on their side, rushed to the strongholds of the Idumeans. Attacking them vigorously, they gained possession of the places and beat off all who fought upon the wall and slew those whom they encountered, killing no fewer than twenty thousand. 
when no less than nine thousand took refuge in two very strong towers well equipped to withstand a siege maccabeus left simon and joseph and also zacharias and his men a force sufficient to besiege them and he himself set off for places where he was more urgently needed but the men with simon who were money-hungry were bribed by some of those who were in the towers and on receiving seventy thousand drachmas let some of them slip away when word of what had happened came to Maccabeus, he gathered the leaders of the people, and accused these men of having sold their brethren for money by setting their enemies free to fight against them. Then he slew these men who had turned traitor, and immediately captured the two towers. Having success at arms in everything he undertook, he destroyed more than, tw than twenty thousand in the two strongholds. Now Timothy, who had been defeated by the Jews before, gathered a tremendous force of mercenaries, and collected the cavalry from Asia in no small number. He came on, intending to take Judea by storm. As he drew near, Maccabeus and his men sprinkled dust upon their heads and girded their loins with sackcloth in supplication to God. Falling upon the steps before the altar, they besought him to be gracious to them, and to be an enemy to their enemies and an adversary to their adversaries, as the law declares. And rising from their prayer, they took up their arms and advanced a considerable distance from the city, and when they came near to the enemy, they halted just as dawn was breaking the two armies joined battle the one having as pledge of success and victory not only their valour but their reliance upon the lord while the other made rage their leader in the fight when the battle became fierce there appeared to the enemy from heaven five resplendent men on horses with golden bridles and they were leading the jews surrounding maccabeus and protecting him with their own armour and weapons they kept him from being wounded and they showered arrows and thunderbolts upon the enemy so that confused and blinded they were thrown into disorder and cut to pieces twenty thousand five hundred were slaughtered besides six hundred horsemen timothy himself fled to a stronghold called gazara especially well garrisoned where carius was commander when then maccabeus and his men were glad and they besieged the fort for four days the men within relying on the strength of the place blasphemed terribly and hurled out wicked words but at dawn of the fifth day twenty young men in the army of maccabeus fired with anger because of the blasphemies bravely stormed the wall and with savage fury cut down every one they met others who came up in the same way wheeled around against the defenders and set fire to the towers they kindled fires and burned the blasphemers alive others broke open the gates and let in the rest of the force and they occupied the city they killed timothy who was hidden in a cistern and his brother carius and apollophanes when they had accomplished these things, with hymns and thanksgiving, they blessed the Lord, who shows great kindness to Israel, and gives them the victory. Our next reading is Sirach, chapter 34. A man of no understanding has vain and false hopes, and dreams give wings to fools. As one who catches at a shadow and pursues the wind, so is he who gives heed to dreams. The vision of dreams is this against that, the likeness of a face confronting a face, from an unclean thing, what will be made clean? And from something false, what will be made true? Divinations and omens and dreams are folly, and like a woman in travail the mind has fancies. Unless they are sent from the Most High as a visitation, do not give your mind to them. For dreams have deceived many, and those who put their hope in them have failed. Without such deceptions the law will be fulfilled, and wisdom is made perfect in truthful lips. An educated man knows many things, and one with much experience will speak with understanding. He that is inexperienced knows few things, but he that has traveled acquires much cleverness. I have seen many things in my travels, and I understand more than I can express. 
I have often been in danger of death, but have escaped because of these experiences. The spirit of those who fear the Lord will live, for their hope is in him who saves them. He who fears the Lord will not be timid nor play the coward, for he is his hope. Blessed is the soul of the man who fears the Lord. To whom does he look, and who is his support? The eyes of the Lord are upon those who love him, a mighty protection and strong support, a shelter from the hot wind and a shade from noonday sun, a guard against stumbling and a defense against falling. He lifts up the soul and gives light to the eyes. He grants healing, life, and blessing. If one sacrifices from what has been wrongfully obtained, the offering is blemished. The gifts of the lawless are not acceptable. The Most High is not pleased with the offerings of the ungodly. He is not propitiated for sins by a multitude of sacrifices. Like one who kills a son before his father's eyes is the man who offers a sacrifice from the property of the poor. The bread of the needy is the life of the poor. Whoever deprives them of it is a man of blood. To take away a neighbor's living is to murder him. To deprive an employee of his wages is to shed blood. When one builds and another tears down, what do they gain but toil? When one prays and another curses, to whose voice will the Lord listen? If a man watch it, washes after touching a dead body and touches it again, what has he gained by his washing? So if a man fasts for his sins and goes again and does the same things, who will listen to his prayer? And what has he gained by humbling himself? Our last reading for today is John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. Many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples murmured at it, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who those were that did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was to betray him. That is everything for today. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and I will see you next time. Bye for now.